You're listening to the Mobcast Network. The Mandalorian that happens to air on Mondays. We have spoken. We have spoken. Uh, hi, changes that we is we have spoken. Yeah, we have spoken. Uh, I'm your Native American pop culture spirit guide, Scotty, and I'm joined by my I, co-host. Yeah, I mean, might as well just stay with it, co-host. Uh, you may know us from the uh, Catacombs podcast, we where we look at uh, deep dive movies. Um, yeah, you've also heard uh, me, Andrew, at times on My Star Wars Life, which is our other Star Wars podcast. Absolutely. So this is kind of a companion piece to that, and we're, it's, we're we both enjoy The Mandalorian, like many of you. Apparently, it's the biggest stream show in history, or whatever, because it's the most fantastic thing ever made. Right. And so it's like it's better than Stranger Things. I'm like, right. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I'm not there yet. I love Stranger Things. I love this. Can I love them equally? <laughs> yes. Why does it have to be a competition? Here's how it works. I have two children, and I kind of have to love them both. <laughs> right. Some days. <laughs> yeah. That Now that's the truth. <laughs> Some days. So we're going to take a look at The Mandalorian, and we're going to do it uh, by episode. So this will be a... I think this will be a nine-episode limited series. Um, an episode each devoted to each episode of the show. And then a, a ninth episode where we kind of recap in the season and see where we think it's going to go. That said, though, arguably, if somebody wants us to keep going, we'll keep going, but we'll have other shows for you to entertain. We'll, we'll, we'll do other things from, on Mondays for you. But if you're d- demanding it, we'll find a way. This is the way. There's yeah, just lines out the wazoo in this show. And yes, I know we're, you know, as of the recording of this, Chapter 5 has just come out, but I wanted to get some space between each episode and not do We do pretty quick recaps on my Star Wars life. But uh, after each episode, and I wanted this to be a little different. I wanted this to be a, a deeper dive into each episode. So that's what we're going to do. So the Mandalorian episode one is clearly just titled Chapter One, right? Uh, it's written by John Favreau and directed by Dave Filoni, which shows all the way through. Right, it's amazing. Starring Pedro Pascal as the Mandalorian. We know him from Game of Thrones, uh, The Kingsman, Golden Circle. He was on Narcos. He was uh, He's going to be in the new Wonder Woman, 1984. He also has a Wonder Woman connection for the failed pilot from NBC from 2011. Oh, wow. Had no idea. Yeah, I didn't either. Uh, Carl Weathers as Grief Cargo. We know Carl Weathers from Rocky, Predator, Happy Gilmore. And Got Time to Bleed, even though he doesn't he, say that line he, still. Uh, he was... Um, Born in New Orleans, but he has a mobile connection because he f- was in Close Encounters of the Third Kind. So he's been here. Really? I don't remember him that. He's a security guard at the... Brilliant. So that's one of his early first part parts. Love it. So I guess from being from New Orleans, he could come down here and shoot. So I'd love to love ask it. him about it if he ever... Uh, Omid uh, Abutai as Dr. Pershing, and he's been in American Gods and the, the Damien TV show that I did not know existed. Now I'm going to go back and watch it. He's been on a, t- a lot of TV and a lot of video game voices. Nick Nolte as Khalil... Uh, he was, of course, we know him. For, he's also a three-time Oscar nominee. Yeah, right. Uh, he, but he's in 48 Hours, The Prince of Tides, Affliction, Lorenzo's Oil, and my personal favorite, Three Fugitives. 
I like that movie. That I haven't seen that movie. Great. Yeah. It was on um, Amazon Prime, and I watched it recently. I need to rewatch that. I have not visited that in a while. such a good movie. Very cute. Very cute. Um, also, we have uh, Taki Watiti as uh, IG-11. He's in, uh, we know him. He directed Thor Ragnarok, What We Do in Shadows, and most recently, Jojo Rabbit. Uh, we have Horatio Sands as uh, Mithril, who Horatio's been in SNL. Which I still had no idea, by the way. Yeah, the makeup on that was so good. I didn't know until like Fantastic. Almost, yeah, episode two. I didn't really read that. I should have read the credits, but I didn't at the time. I was so excited we had New Mandalorian. Uh, so he's on SNL, uh, most recently on Black Monday, which is on Showtime. If you've not seen Black Monday, oh my God, Black Monday's so good. He was in the Are We There, that TV show. And his very first role was in Miracle on 34th Street. Oh, wow. And I only know that because he did a bit about it on SNL. <laughs> Also, John Beasley as the bartender, and I, I bring John Beasley up because he's one of these great character actors who's been in a ton of stuff. Yep. That you and he didn't have, and he's just usually in the background doing something. But he was in Rudy and the Mighty Ducks and uh, Crazy in Alabama, which is one of my favorite films. And we have Brian Posehn as the speeder uh, speeder driver. We know Brian from he's a comedian. We know him from Big Bang Theory, New Girl, Deadly Class, and Just Shoot Me. That's the first time I saw him was on Just Shoot Me. Yep. Was same movie. same where I know. So. <clears throat> But each episode, I want to focus on somebody who's in the show. And typically, you would like who the star of the show. Let's talk about Pedro Pascal. We will. We will have a deep dive on Pedro Pascal. However, this being my show, I've chosen the first bounty puck to be Werner Herzog. Which is brilliant. Werner Herzog plays the client. He's the director of Grizzly Man, Fritz Graldo, Nosferatu the Vampire. He's been an actor on Rick and Morty, The Boondocks, The Simpsons, Metalocalypse, and if you really want to get to know him as a person, I really need you to check out this documentary called Burden of Dreams, which is about the making of Fitzgraldo, and it's brilliant. <laughs> it's absolutely brilliant to see what kind of nutcase <laughs> Werner Hartog is. I love you, Werner Hartog. Nutcase in the most nicest. Oh, he's just the, delightful. Nutcase is a compliment because I just want to I mean, I'm a little terrified of him. I'm a little bit terrified because he's... But then a little part of me is like, maybe he's not so bad. So here are the things of... Here's the things about Werner Herzog that you may or may not know that I felt that... These are the chits. Uh, yeah, these are the chits that I <laughs> yeah. thought our audience needed to know. So, they're lengthy, so I had to get a drink of um, oh, water. Ready? Herzog once promised to eat a shoe if a young American film student went out and actually made the film he was always talking about. The young student was Errol Morris, who met the challenge with his offbeat 1978 Pet Cemetery documentary, Gates of Heaven. He then went on to make the Thin Blue Line, which created the crime documentary. Exactly. The crime reenactor documentary came out because of that. I mean, it's 100% Errol Morris. That's Aaron fact. Moore. Uh, should have won the Oscar, but it did not fit any of the categories, and they had to change the rules. So so, so it missed it, but it changed rules. Just like right. how um, uh, the Dark Knight missed the best picture and forced the Academy to do ten, up to 10 nominations. Right. There are some movies out there who just make history. That's one of them. And if you've never seen The Thin Blue Line, you, everyone, I own it. It's And I've watched it quite often. It's it's, it's amazing. Um, Herzog made good on his promise. He ate a shoe, and it's in the film called Werner Herzog Eats His Shoe, directed by Les Blank. Uh, Les Blank, who also directed Burden of Dreams. That's right. <laughs> Werner Herzog claimed to have walked by foot from Munich, Germany to Paris, France, a distance of 500 miles in 1974 to prevent the very sick film historian and good friend Lottie Eisner from dying. As applying his logic, she wouldn't dare die until he visited her on his deathbed. 
Eisner indeed went on to live for eight more years after Herzog's journey. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. He's just getting better. Joaquin Phoenix was in a car accident and on a winding road, uh, Canyon Road, where his vehicle flipped over. Shaken and confused, he heard tapping on his window and a voice said, just relax. Unable to see the man, Phoenix replied, I'm fine, I'm relaxed. When he managed to see the man, he realized it was Werner Herzog, who then replied, no, you're not. After helping Phoenix out of the wreckage, Herzog phoned for an ambulance and then vanished. So wait, <laughs> wait you're in a car wreck. Werner, <laughs> Werner Herzog walks up. <laughs> And you're like, just just be cold. I can't even do his accent. <laughs> no, no, no. You will be. You you you're fine. You are an accent. You're fine. You're fine. Just relax. He's <laughs> like, I am. I, I am relaxed. No, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> just imagine him standing there doing that. It's like dream. I, I like how he pulled him out, called an ambulance, and just disappeared. He ghosted out. He's like, nope. I have no time for He's this. He's bad man. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. It gets better. <laughs> In late 2005, during an interview with a BBC film critic regarding Grizzly Man, a sniper opened fire on them with an air rifle. Oh, my goodness. The critic panicked, and when Herzog calmly said, someone is shooting at us, one of the pellets didn't hit Herzog. Unmoved, Herzog said that the bullet was not a significant one and insisted on continuing the interview. Oh, my gosh. Yes, he is the greatest... He is the only film uh, feature film director to have made a movie on every continent. Oh, yeah, I've heard that. That's right. He never uses a storyboard. Yeah. And writes the screenplays in four to five days. That's insane. I love you, Werner Herzog. So that's our fun facts about Werner Herzog. He's on our bounty puck. If you can find him, I'll pay you 5,000 credits. <laughs> Uh, what were the ones called? The flan? Yeah, the, the uh, Mon calamari flan. Mon the calamari, calamari flan. Yeah, calamari flan. Calamari flan sounds like a dish. <laughs> eh, I just I'm not really interested in squid uh, uh, jello, squid pudding. That's squid what pudding. it would be. Squid pudding. <laughs> my, my, my question on that, and we'll get to it in a second. But you know, when you looked at the little disc, he's like, really? That's that's worth a lot of money somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I I had that problem. Then and then I always have the challenge of how much is that currency really? So you gave him four. But it, or whatever it was like some number that was small, arbitrary. Small, you know, yeah, it's small compared to the stack of you know imperial credits. Exactly, which, which may or may not work. So I don't, you know, the um, currency of the galactic area is interesting to me, and we'll probably never get an ex explanation. But that's okay. So you ready to get into this? Yes, sir. Five years after the fall of the empire, a Mandalorian bounty hunter collects a bounty. After a scuffle exchange at a bar, he meets his guild leader, uh, Grief Karga, who mostly has low-paying bounties, which will not cover the traveling expenses. Looking to get a big bounty, Karga gives him only an address to the next client, uh, who wants the bounty to be private. And this time, so we first meet the Mandalorian on an icy planet. He's got a bounty fob, which is a new item. We don't know. They look like a like a like like a lock. <laughs> Yeah, it looks like a like a like a, like a bike lock, like a bike lock. Yeah, that's exactly. It apparently, it. can track people down. I don't with magic. I, I don't know what Jedi yeah. magic makes that thing work. Right, but um, and that may come up later on. And so he goes to this bar, and uh, the the bar patrons are uh, picking on this blue alien guy, and talking about selling like his gills to. Yeah, because they're gonna. Tr they have a sweet musk. I mean, it's like pretty. Like it's. I just, Again, dense. It's very dark. It's very heavy. It's not Rogue One. It's it's arguably more violent right. so, wait, wait. in tone. 
So the Mandalorian shows up, and of course, you can, he stands out because you know he's in this armor, and you can't see his face, and he looks cool. He's got a cape, Lando. He's got a, yeah. <laughs> he's got a cape, and he walks to the bar, and they're all like harassing him, and uh, he's like, "You may, you know, the one alien is like you. Well, he's a human. He speaks Hattie, but he's like, you, you know, he spilled my drink. Mandalorian doesn't care, and so the bartender is like, here, here's another drink, right? And then as he's passing the drink over, the Mandalorian picks up the mug and just beats the crap out of everybody. And he gets shot by uh, us. Uh, oh, what is they? They're um, uh, they're squid guys, but they're yep. uh, squid, squid heads. One of them, and I can't yeah. think of. Oh, I want to say Quailish, but it's not a Quailish. Quailish is the Walrus Man. Yeah. But anyway, so he's <laughs> Star Wars fans are going to kill me for this. Anyway, so it doesn't matter because uh, he gets shot, and then the Mandalorian catches him with a uh, grappling hook, and then brings him into a door, which slices him in half. Yep. Which was a not I I was not expecting that in the first three minutes of my show. It's like oh this is this sets the tone perfectly. This it is 100% what you're gonna set the tone I mean, and you now understand the world that you're in. You're in it's a it's kind of wild. It, it and also reckless. really sets the stakes if right. you think about it. Yeah. Right, it's kind of wild and reckless. Uh, the Mandalorian takes his uh, goes to the the blue alien guy who he has a uh, a bounty puck for him and says uh, and tells him he can come in warm, he can bring him in warm, or he can bring him in cold. And so he takes the alien, and they go to get a speeder. Uh, they meet um, a speeder ferryman. Which is very much like we're crossing the River Styx. Right, right. Which was a nice and little note. He's called a ferryman. And he plays a little flute, and this droid shows up, and it's nice speeder. And the Mandalorian clearly has a problem with droids. Okay. And so he sends him on the way. Then here shows up Brian Posehn on his junky ass. Yeah, half running. Half running speeder. And <laughs> Station wagon from the 80s. 80s. And so they get in, in, into that and they're driving off. And then you you learn that the planet's terrible. The people like dump their toilets on the on the side of the planet. And, you know, it's you're welcome to where you live. Right. They show up to uh, his ship, which is the Razorcrest. Uh, the alien is like, this is, oh, I'll just. Pay for another ship. Come out of my end. Let's not take this. Um, Brian Posehn gets paid and then drives off and then gets eaten. Uh, right. By an ice monster that comes to... Which my kids said was an alligator wal- walrus. <laughs> That's what it looked like to them. Well, it had a name. They had a name yeah, for it. it. I can't remember. We'll get, get into it in, the, in a little bit. But the um, the monster um, cracks through the ice and starts trying to eat the razor crest. Um, the Mandalorian has to get out and use his sweet pulse rifle, which looks like the pulse rifle from um, the animated series. Is there, I mean, early on, not nods to you know Boba Fett's first appearance was in the right. holiday special, and right. so in this animated bit, he's got this cool little can gun with a fork on the end. It's of like it. two tuning uh, with a tuning fork on the end, is right? What like. And so he uses it to shock the monster, which releases the the Razor's Crest, and the Razor's Crest gets off into space. We cut to the cockpit where the alien and the um, Mandalorian are hanging out, and Mandalorian is not saying anything because he doesn't have to. Right. And the aliens all like, "Hey, uh, so uh, I'm gonna go pee." So, <laughs> which is, uh, you know, first time I've ever seen that. And uh, <laughs> they're putting toilets in Star Wars. Second time. Second time. Second time. Um, and possibly the third because I have to go back and verify this, but that may have been the novelization because I haven't watched the Last Jedi in a while. But apparently, they find BB-8 and Canto Bright in the toilet. But I read, I read that, but I don't remember that. However, I don't remember. I don't remember however, that scene, second time in the episode of Rebels, where um, uh, 
has uh, Josh Gad as the bad guy, and he's, he takes over Chopper. Yeah. Um, well, Chopper and AP5 are playing, you know, are, are, AP5 knows that Chopper's something wrong with Chopper, and he follows Wedge, Wedge into the refresher. And so he's standing at the urinal. Oh, right. We get the over-the-shot shot, so we don't see the urinal itself, but we see what he's doing. Yep. So it's, he's at the You're urinal. Right. So he's at the refresher. You're right. So, so. You're right. And AP5 is like, hey, what's up? And Reg is like, can you not be here? I have to refresh. I think I might start calling it a refresher. Yeah, that's what Star Wars words has been refresher until they yeah. back to and gray hole now, I guess. Yeah. So which are real things. So yeah, <laughs> that's like bringing it all in. So the man, uh, so the alien goes to the the back of the Razor Crest to go to quote unquote use the the vac tube, and he's like, it may be a minute because I'm molting, which I'm like, ooh. <laughs> yeah, it's gross and awesome. And I like how he's like, oh, this feels good. I haven't I haven't evacuated since the Sultus. And I'm like, how long was that? How long can you hold that? I'm yeah, <laughs> right. Aliens are weird. Uh, what he's actually doing is trying to find a way out. So he's look. I guess he's looking for the escape pod. And so he opens up a do- um, one button and opens up a vault uh, of weapons. He quickly closes that, and he's still trying his his BS story. Oh, blah blah blah. It's like I hope to get home to life day. And he finds like all these other people frozen in carbonite on the ship. And then he's like, I guess I'm not making home to li- a life day. And then the Mandalorian who snuck up behind him, like I, even out of shot, I didn't know him come down. Right. Just come up and goes, guess you're not, and throws him in the carbonite freezer. And, Adds him to his collection. Right. So then that's when he shows up to Grieve Karga. Um, and uh, who's happy to see him because he's got all the bounties and, the, and it's not going to pay a lot because, you know, whatever it is. And he has, he wants to know how many more bounties he's got. He's got four or five, like a bail jumper and a bail jumper and a smuggler. And he's like, I'll take them all. And he's like, no, no, no. I've got other mouths to feed. You, you're, but we got this really hard one to do if you want to go do it. Go go, and so that's where we are. So the Mandalorian goes. Uh, he takes the job. Uh, there's no fob for it. Just they want to do it face to face. Nope. There's no puck. There's no puck for it. So they they want to do face to face. So uh, he goes down the street and to uh, this house building or whatever. Knocks on the door and we see our favorite Jawa's Palace eyeball yep. guardian shows up. And uh, does the famous line. And then uh, lets him in. Um, this is when the Mandalorian meets the client uh, and a bunch of Imperial stormtroopers who he's using as bodyguards. Stormtroopers are looking worse for wear. It's like yeah. the Empire's failed. they just like, this is what your armor you're stuck and with. And I, I, part of me wonders if they're, we're going to find out maybe that they're not. I think they're stormtroopers. I think they're, I think they're, they're just worn down. I just thought it was like maybe these guys are just putting this stuff on because there's a little bit better than what they have i think I, th- I think they would have customized it more yeah if it was it just was so dirty it looked right, like they just like but the empire's fallen so that i don't think yeah. they have ways to replenish it yeah. as well so i think i don't i think that's why it's dirty so i i, I totally and you could be right they, they could be mercenaries but i'm pretty sure they're, they're stormtroopers grief Karga said you were coming What else did he say? He said you were the best in the Parsec. Um, so uh, the client is all like, you have good representation. Griff Carga says you're the man for the job. Um, all we've got is a fob and two digits on it, which turns out to be the age. It's 50 years old. And we have a location where it's last seen. Man of your talent will be able to get this. And so then we have um, 
the scientist Dr. Pershing show up and scares the Mandalorian and there's a standoff between the Mandalorian and the Stormtroopers and Stormtroopers are like there are four of us and Mandalorians are like I like the mods right like everyone in that room is dead pretty much <laughs> oh yeah and Pershing Pershing's just like hey I, I, I just he's excited he didn't you know whatever they want uh, he wants it alive but uh, the client's being practical he's like understanding how the bounty hunting works we'll pay you if he's alive we'll pay you substantially less if he's dead and as a down payment we'll give you this um, um, Beskar which is Mandalorian steel and so he takes the Mandalorian steel and uh, accepts the job Uh, and so uh, he leaves and then um, after receiving the single bar of Beskar as a down payment the Mandalorian meets with the armorer at the inc- uh, at an enclave inc- housing fellow Mandalorian, so he goes to this other place where he finds other Mandalorians. The armor who melts the metal to gives the Mandalorian a new pauldron uh, says the metal was gathered in the Great Purge, and the, the excess will sponsor the family like the Mandalorians. Well, the Mandalorian was once. Uh, Asking if he, when he had his signet, she's gonna put a signet on it. And he hasn't earned one yet. And so it's it, we realize now that you know the Mandalorians we knew before in Clone Wars and. Well, the the first one we ever met was Fett, right? And and that's arguably if he's a Mandalorian because Lucas has Lucas has said before that him and Jango are not, right? And so we'll see if that changes. But uh, but the ones we know for like you know Satine, Sabine, Bo-Katan, uh, uh there's a bunch of them I'm forgetting. <laughs> yeah, there's I mean uh, uh, Vis- Vizsla, pre Vizsla, and season all. four of. For- of rebels, yeah. So you right there, you so, get a whole chunk of it. But and so the, we, we realize in this clan they don't take off their helmets. They're all they're, they're, they're there's obviously some sort of religious aspect that is in this group that is not with the other ones we have seen. Right. So clearly from the bat they're telling us this is not what we know, which I love, giving yep. us something new but familiar, teasing it up for sure. Um, he gets this cool pauldron and he puts it on. Uh, then he then travels to the desert planet Arvela Seven, and he meets a native. He's not a native. He, he's a Ugnot. He, I guess, he's not native from that planet. He's they're from a Noat. I think he's retired. He's retired there. Yeah. Named Khalil, who helps him uh, so they can be rid of the criminals and mercy. Now that net mercenaries who now inhabit the area. Uh, Khalil teaches him the Mandalorian to ride a blurg. Shout out to blurgs, as there are no land speed vehicles to traverse the area. And sends him to where the bounty is located. Upon reaching the hideout, the Mandalorian is forced to team up with a bounty hunter droid, IG-11. They manage to clear the facility of his Nikto guards and discover that the the bounty is a green, big-eared infant creature. IG-11 says the best line ever in that. Because he says, Mandalorian says, hey, I thought this thing was 50 years old. And IG-11 says, some species age slower than others. This creature could live up to for centuries. Yeah. Sadly, we will never know and goes to try to kill yeah, him. Yeah, it's brilliant. Like, I, it's a it's a tease of exposition right. followed up by a gag. Right. <laughs> like, 100%. So, sadly, we'll never know. And then uh, um, Mandalorian shoots uh, the droid to protect the baby and his bounty, and that's where we're at. We, we leave the episode. Um, when So, to recap that, to go to go a little deeper in that, so the Mandalorian arrives to the planet, he's looking around and gets attacked by a blurg. Which are this? It's basically a face, a tail, and two legs. <laughs> yeah, it's a tadpole with a giant mouth, right? And, some and legs. legs, and and uh, it beats the crap out of the Mandalorian and nearly kills him. And uh, 
luckily um, Khalil's there to um, save the day. And uh, they talk about, oh, yeah, I know where this, this thing you're looking for is, is and it's going to cost you half. And he's like, half the bounty is a lot. And he's like, no, half the blurgs. Right. He's like, you he just wants the, the, yeah. You can keep the blurgs. No, no, you need to ride one. <laughs> so we have the cowboy bro- busted in Bronco scene. <laughs> right. <laughs> Whereas my, my favorite part of that, though, is like when he's trying to, to he, he's trying to ride it and it's like, uh, it seems like it's angry. He's like, yeah, well, I did try to fry it. <laughs> I also love the fact that uh, Khalil, how do you say that? Khalil. Sits, uh, stands with him and says, you know, if you're going to, you're a Mandalorian. Right. Like, this is something you can do. Right, you're a badass. (laughs) So it's interesting that, like, the lore, in the first episode, for someone who may not have the depth that maybe you and I have as fans, in the first episode, they're already introducing, like, these nice keystone moments for you to go, dude, this guy must be, this whole group is amazing. It's similar to what... Kazan does in um, Force Awakens. Yeah. Force Awakens, regardless how you feel about it, if it's your first Star Wars movie, which it totally could be. Yeah, it was for my kids. And it's it's, but it explains the Jedi like as a myth, right? And like it's a known myth. The Mandalorians are the same way. Yeah. But what's different is they're really a myth because we don't have a lot of info on them. Right. I mean, I think there's more Jedi info out there than there are Mandalorian. Oh yeah, there's episodes. no Mando code, right? So we don't know. We don't know. And right. so it's it's really fun to be a part of this world. We're all oh, wow, we're all in on the myth, and right. So it's I think that I think that's very awesome. And, and right, you know, he he tells him that hey, you you rode the giant mythosaur, and and so you can clearly handle the face with. So some he legs. knows the history though. That's right. what I thought was interesting is that he has some kind of tie, not. Or or knows the lore enough, right? Um, he's an older Ugnot. He's probably been around. Yeah. Uh, for for those who d- don't know Ugnots, Ugnots are in the Empire Strikes Back. They run. Um, they keep Cloud City pretty much running, uh, mostly through Tabana gas mining. But the way we see them is they're altering the carbon freezing chamber for humans. Now I, th- uh, Khalil looks less like there's a shift. He looks less. Uh, I thought Ugnati looked a little bit more piggly, if I remember correctly. Well, he's piggly too, but he's like I think he's I, less piggly. I think it's the difference between the makeup of 1980 right. and the makeup of now. I really right. and the makeup is similar because they're using practical makeup on that. There's not CGI or whatever. It's right, and they could have easily done like dots and put Nick Nolte in there. And clearly, another actor because Ugnats are short and you know so. And the lips don't always sync up, though. Right, which, which I think is because it reminds me of kind of like Planet of the Apes. The mouth is really much like old school Planet of the Apes. Yep. And it works for me. It doesn't yep. take. It like, didn't. It didn't pull me out uh, one bit. I bought it. I didn't get it. My wife is a as a, a crazy person for sync, and so for whatever reason, wardrobe and sync. That's what my wife notices, well, and she was like, "Yeah, it's good. Couldn't it have her around though." Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um. So uh, he he managed to. Uh, Break the the blurg, and so the, uh, the Mandalorian and Khalil and their blurgs go out to this hideout where the Nick Two have got. There's like twenty Nick Two hanging out, and then um, IG Eleven shows up and is like, "Hey, by the bounty hunter code, you've got to give me this whatever you've got." And and I'm like, "Really? Is that a thing?" <laughs> it's just like because you have a bounty code means I have to. <laughs> okay. Right. 
That's, you just said words, robot. I don't think that's right. I, it was such a like a. It's such an innocent little moment for him to step in. It, right. it, it's almost like he, you know he doesn't know. Right. Like he's not. He's not programmed for that logic. So right. he just steps into it. And of course, Mandalorian has droids, so he has to go down there to go solve the problem. Right. And um, the the IG Eleven shoots at him. The coolest thing about IG Eleven because you know we all first met IG in IG eighty eight, who was basically a prop. And, you know. He, he was kind of a puppet because he moved a little bit. Right. But it wasn't much. Right. And so, and then we see like his shell and cloud city. And so we're not sure if that was IG 88 or whatever. Yes. I know the answer is in legends, but I don't count legends as we're only having canons discussions. (laughs) So, um, but the way he moves and attacks is amazing. So he's, He's like a series of gears that switch around and, and right. flip and, right. and just his head and his legs and his arms. The whole thing is just he's he's facing always one way, but he can always shoot you from anywhere else. Just yeah, his whole, everything's on a, on a swivel. Everything's Literal. on a swivel. And it's, yeah. so, and it's so awesome. Oh, it's great. It's the best thing. I, I got really giddy when I saw it in the trailer for the first time. It's like, oh, my God. And then seeing it in the episode itself is just – and he's just, just terminating these guys, these poor Nick two who do not stand a chance. And then he gets wounded. Oh, we going to so the Mandalorian shows up and um, they have this conversation about uh, no one. They didn't know they were supposed to. Any other guild members were on this case, and then Mandalorian um, Mandalorian is like, "Hey, we need to team up." And IG Eleven is like, "Yeah, that's cool. We'll do that." But I get the bounty reputation and right. So and it's like and the droid really cares about that. That's interesting. But, the, but it's 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 I now right not not pulling anything away and again. Hopefully you watch this show, but there's a, it's a call. It's, it's a call. It's later a call back that that becomes important. Right. This reputation thing inside the bounty hunting guild is a big deal to everybody, but right. The Mando, right. The Mando seems to give two shits, right? He just wants two money. chits. I'm sorry. Two chits. Um, he, yeah, he just wants the money. Right. Cause he's got, we, and we'll talk about it cause I don't want to skip episodes, but there's clearly a larger agenda for our Mandalorian hero. Right. Um, they team up. Um, there's all kinds of crazy gunfire. Lots of Nick 2 get shot. IG-11 gets shot, and then the moment he gets shot, he's like, all right, we're pinned down. I'm going to search self-destruct. It appears we are trapped. I will initiate self-destruct sequencing. Whoa, you're what? Manufacturer's protocol dictates I cannot be captured. I must self-destruct. Do not self-destruct. Factory says I'm not supposed to get captured. Right. And so there's this whole running gag for like four or five times of him just like, time to self-destruct. And Mando's like, stop doing that. <laughs> um, the Nick 2's bringing out a giant Gatling gun. It's, an e- it's almost like an E-Web 11. Yeah, it was almost like an E-Web, E-Web just yeah, mounted on yeah, some yeah, kind of floating, floating platform. Thing, I think yeah. it's a different type of gun. And um, the Mando and I, IG take it over and I, Mando just goes crazy and just kills the rest of the Nick 2. <laughs> just... And it's it's uh, one of the most the whole show right we to preface this this is a western it just so happens to right. take place in space and I won't I, I have another comment regarding that but one of the things is a lot of the scenes are tropes very well done are tropes right. from western scenes that is the Gatlin gun scene right it's your Gatlin gun scene yeah it's the Gatlin gun scene where he gets in the back of the wagon where the Gatlin gun is and just lays waste to all the bad guys right wh- whoever they may be it's the exact same thing it's beautiful and I love seeing it and it makes me happy um, so our heroes save the day they they find the the tracking fob going to this building but the door is locked and so uh, they use the Gatlin gun to opening it up. Which was great. Oh, it was gold. And they walk in, and then there's the poor one or two Nick two that are still there, just basically there to run in and get shot. Right. 
Red shirts. Where they were red shirts. They were totally red shirts. And so they walk in and they find um, their targets in a eggshell looking thing that's kind of floating. And they pop it open and it's basically a baby Yoda. Right. <laughs> that's what I'm going to call him for now on. We're just yeah. calling him Baby Yoda. On the other show, we have a different name. Baby on this Yoda. show, he's Baby Yoda. Yoda. <laughs> adults, otherwise, it's Baby Yoda. And yes, I know it's not Yoda, but we, as far as I know, Yoda's name is the species. He could just be like human, human. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, that's right. Because <laughs> we don't know. Thank you, George Lucas, for keeping that mystery. So it's Baby Yoda. And I, we, we'd mentioned this before, but I'll mention it again. IG-11 is all like, all right, too bad we want to see how him grow up. And then um, Mandalorian has to shoot him. And now he's stuck with this baby trying to figure out what he's going to do. And that's how we end. Right. So, and it is a what the fudge moment where you're where, where you're to me my jaw was wide open because they have done a fantastic job at keeping the spoilers at right, bay I know we need, yeah there was no toys released there right. was no errors made and now of course they're suffering a little bit because people want the toys right and, and they have to rush them to market right you, they, i mean i don't blame them they don't know if it's going to be this big of a hit yeah, right? yeah i don't blame them either but my god there's no inkling of this and now you have what is one of the most amazingly cute things ever to exist in right. cinema right it, unbelievable i'm and the memes that have come out of this. Oh it's my gold. God, and if you're not just... if you're not following any of that stuff, I mean all you do is just spend ten minutes on on your choice of any board and yeah. you will see a billion memes or that just are great. Baby Yoda meme. Just Google it and you'll just find all kinds of stuff. And of course you if you're on Facebook, someone chances are if you're on Facebook, you know a Star Wars fan and they've been posting that. Oh, so, of course. And you don't you know, I know people who don't know Star Wars are like, What is this? And like, you should watch the show because it's adorable. Right. And spoiler alert, it keeps getting more and more cute i just damn yeah it gets out of control oh and it's like but it's not like it's not like a bad way no it's been pretty even the entire time it's perfect i'm like no it's a child it's It's totally a child and you know so i'm digging it i I was amazed that when i first saw it as well um, I got to actually catch the episode before the Disney Plus crash on the first day, and so right. it was like right in. So I only got to watch it the once because the second time the Disney Plus had so many subscribers, it crashed for a little while. But I managed to catch it in there, and I'm watching. It, and it's like, oh my god! Oh, I remember we did that. Yeah, the event for uh, the first episode of my Star Wars yeah, life. We, for, yeah, for, and yeah. JD had not seen it yet. Right. And so uh, I sat where I could watch JD watch it. Because I know what kind of fan he is. Right. And I just wanted to see his face. And so I turned very cautiously. I didn't want to spoil anything for him, but turned and then watched him see that reveal and his face. And then he whipped over to you and he's just beaming. Right. I mean, it's a Star Wars moment. It's a beautiful, beautiful moment. I've never thought Yoda was cute. And then now I'm like, I didn't know you can make that cute. I'm curious. I'm, I'm convinced now you can make anything cute. Right. That's because uh, it's pretty, pretty, pretty wrinkly and old. So it's just like. No, it was well done. It's totally well done. Um, so now, uh, since we recap the show and kind of get everyone caught up and some of our, our thoughts on it, wanted to do uh, a new segment, well, a new segment because the whole show is. Uh, Everything's new. new. And so, uh, so Kohas is introducing a segment. So this, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the fandom free zone. Now, what that means is that I'm going to lay the truth down the way I think it needs to be laid down. I'm going to remove as much fandom as humanly possible from my body. I am a a ginormous Star Wars fan. I'm going to remove it out from my statements 
and maybe on occasion make a controversial statement that may even upset Scotty in some <laughs> capacity because I just have to pull away and just look at it for the sure, hard truth. Sure, and I will tell you why you're wrong. That's okay. <laughs> So one of the bigger challenges, uh, the the first piece I want to refer to is a lot of people are very frustrated with the, I've read lately, people are frustrated with the opening sequence of, of chapter one, which is the entire setup with um, the blue guy. I don't yeah. know what... what and the the complaints range every from boredom. I had a lot of people tell me it was boring, that it didn't really matter to the story. I've heard various pieces. And I think that's a sad state of idiots watching television. And the, the problem I have with that is that is exactly is world building. It's setting up the entire space. If you don't have that chunk and you just suddenly throw them into going and getting a baby Yoda, you have even less of an idea of what is actually going on. Right. Right. It's not constructed as well as it could be. It means they could have flown it in and this is one of the challenges that I think Dave Filoni is going to have um, it feels animation but live action it's written like a cartoon for live action that's right. also a, a theme we're going to see with why the the length of shows isn't consistent because in animation world you're writing for every single frame you're actually going to produce you don't produce a lot of you don't shoot extra and cut right. it back. So the story is very trim, and I think he's running into some challenges. Even as an executive producer, he's running right, into some cause challenges it, in that. Because Favreau wrote this one. I Totally. Yeah, I just Filoni so. directed right. in, in, in that space. But he's still uh, Filoni's still an executive producer. director money. Yeah. yeah. Directed, directed I'm sure that pilot. Yeah, getting that 60K. Uh, oh, and, I, then, and then the residuals and everything else. Oh, he's golden. Yeah, he's but there. he's also executive producer, which means he's on the writing board somewhere. Right. So there's a balance. <laughs> the other side of it is I'm I this one... Uh, the other piece of the Phantom Free Zone I want to bring up is I'm, I, I I said this on the Star Wars Life, but I think it's important more so for this show. We may talk about John Favreau on this show from time to time, but he does not matter to me as much. I mean, he does because he helped get the show made, but he means nothing to me as much as Filoni. Right. Dave Filoni having this opportunity is the chance, and this is personal opinion, not part of the Mobcast Network, is the chance to maybe upend who's currently in the seat right now and put Filoni in that space. I would love nothing more. I have nothing to do with her. I just don't think she's a very good Star Wars uh, a proponent for Star Wars. I'd love to see Kathleen Kennedy removed and this is our chance to see Dave Filoni step into that spot and do it. Okay, so... He's going to prove himself. So let me defend Kathleen Kennedy. Sure. In this. Um, and this is not... Uh, I don't have a problem with her being a woman, by the way. No, That's no, no. Here, here's the thing about Kathleen Kennedy. Um, I think she's perfect for the job of what she has. Has she made some missteps? Yes. Um, Lloyd and uh, Lord and what's the other guy's name? Um, Miller. Miller. Picking them to direct solo, knowing what they did, and then seeing, knowing full well what kind of filmmakers they are, and then expecting them to make a Star Wars movie out of that, you're not going to get. And that's why they got removed from Solo because they were making a Lord Miller film, which would have been fantastic. Don't get me wrong. Absolutely. I, I like Ron Howard, wrong, but I, the wrong tone. Right. Wrong tone. It's not Star Wars has a tone. And so it may have been a little too silly for what Kathleen Kennedy wanted and what she thinks Star Wars should be. It's the reason why we still don't have Star uh, Detours. Right. Um, th that's a at least 24 episode animated series that Seth Green has done and it's complete. It's been on the shelf. It was finished during Lucas's run when Lucas still had it and it was going to air and then the Disney thing happened. And the decision was to let's make Star Wars serious and not do the parody stuff. So it's sitting on one day we may get it. Who knows? Well, Disney right. Plus should put it out, I think. I'd be, I'd be happy with it. Um, however, she's picked up the torch to keep it going. And in her run, we've gotten Rebels and we've gotten, you know, we've gotten Rogue One and we've gotten Solo out of it. The, 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 
Force Awakens is fine. I'm not crazy about The Last Jedi. That's Out of everything, I'm really not crazy about The Last Jedi. But everything else, I'm pretty happy with. It's Star Wars to me. So I get what you're saying. I think Kathleen Kinney's really good. At, I mean, she's, of course she's really good at what she does. Look at what her. She's a brilliant producer. Look at her background. But she's not creative. And I think the problem That's is. That's okay. That's okay. That's why she has a. I think Filoni needs to be like a creative director. But, well, the, the challenge I keep running back into with the same scenario with her, and this is why it's the Phantom Free Zone, because I, again, I'm Wrong looking point. at it just purely from this. I look at Filoni, and I'm a, I am a fan. I, I like too. Him. I'm too. But I look at Filoni, and I look at the passion he has and the training he has from the Lucas perspective. Right, right. He's. Now. Same time, Lucas picked Kennedy to be in that spot. Right. He handpicked her. The problem I have with her is I don't think she fully understands the world and what it does mean in terms of the fan base that exists. That's right. not talking about Mary Sue Ray stuff. That's nothing to do with that. Right. It literally has to do with you put Lord Miller to do solo, and the tone of that is going to be too comedic right. is what it is. But And so you flip it back around, but you're not willing to take that same energy and put it into a new property right. whatsoever. Yet, you want to protect the integrity of solo, Right. And then you create, in my opinion, a series of abysmal choices. Certainly, uh, some I don't mind if Harrison Ford die, or I'm sorry, Han Solo dies in Force Awakens. But again, Last Jedi, the mistreatment of those characters, Akbar fan characters, the mistreatment of that just makes me think you don't fully understand what it's in. And then she comes out not recently or too recently by making a statement that there's not enough content out there for Star Wars, and it's like, hello, there's. You don't want to use Legends? I understand. I'm sure there's contractual reasons is what people don't fully understand about right, this. It has right. nothing to do with they don't like them. No, no. They don't want to pay that money again, right? <clears throat> that's the big reason. That's the big secret reason why no one wants to talk about it. That they exactly don't what it is. But it comes down to this. The, the thing about Legends is that Lucas and Lucasfilm at the time, during the time of Legends, let it get so wild, it's so convoluted that it's hard to wrangle it in. I guarantee you there's bad <clears throat> contracts on all that stuff. Right, and so... I, so do you accept it all or you cut your losses? And what they did was they cut your loss, losses, which I would have done too if if I'm looking at this sea of this. It's a mess. Legends is a mess. I know people like Legends. I There's stories in Legends I like, but personally, I don't like many Star Wars novels because it's boring. I'm right. sorry out there. The, you know, no, I'm not going to argue you know, with you. My, my opinion. I'm heir to the Empire guy. That's my role. Heir to the Empire, Shadows of the Empire, yeah, I'm not, I don't I don't yeah. care about the truce of Baku or whatever the hell that was or uh, the courtship of Princess Leia. I don't right. that those I snore fesses. I just couldn't get into it. It's not whatever. Uh, especially when they brought in the Yuuzhan Vong and just none of that stuff appealed to me. And so um, I like even the comics. The comics weren't great. The Dark Horse stuff. There's some uh, there's some interesting gems, and I liked that an anthology series that was kind of neat. They had some really neat stories, but overall right. they weren't solid. Right. I love Dark Empire and Dark Empire 2. Those are good stories. Um, I thought the Star Wars What If, the the um, Infinities, yep. was fun. Yeah. But whatever. Legends. Legends. Yep. Legends. I don't know how much decisions you're making when, when it comes down to, like, killing Akbar. Look, in in the end, is killing Akbar, I mean, he's he's a... He's a trope because he gets to say, or he's a meme because he gets to say it's a trap, and that's become a thing. But in the end, we only got to meet him for like five minutes in, in all of Return of the Jedi. But and Boba Fett's the same thing. Boba Fett looks cool, though. Yeah, I know, but I, I'm not a fan of Fett. I'm I, not either. No, I'm I think a he's a super over most overrated yeah. character ever exists. Oh yeah, because he, he's he's a glorified delivery man. God, God, shout out the delivery man out there. But he's yeah. basically Amazon Prime for the Galactic Empire. I mean, for the for Jabba the Hutt, right? And so um, for both of them, really, and. <laughs> 
Jawa ordered a Han Solo from the Emperor. Right. <laughs> delivered via Vader. Yeah. And then Vet got it. That's exactly it. Amazon Prime. And so uh, I, I, I don't know if she's like... All right, in our scripts, we need to kill A, B, and C. I don't think that's her. No, no, but but it's part of it's. it's so if you're shepherding that brand, right? Because essentially, Star Wars is a brand, right? Right. And if you're shepherding that brand, you should protect that space. And the only reason I'm bringing up this whole thing is to say, Filoni and Favreau are making the right steps forward. The one biggest thing, the most important thing on the first episode of Mando that this is the takeaway, and it'll change per episode. I've got some real negative pieces of opinion. Yeah, I can't wait to do episode three. Oh, no, yeah. four. You four, and I four, four, yeah. Four is my favorite. Yeah, we're going round around. And I like five too a lot, but four is currently my favorite. Four is my least favorite. But when we, when we land into it, we have to look at the fact that the Mandalorian represents a massive shift inside the Star Wars space. It's an original IP, not based on anything. Right. That is the first live action piece that has ever really worked. Because Star Wars is based on success. Right. Like you can't, a mediocre solo release, you know, it doesn't matter. Although streaming, I, it did really well. I think, I think Solo's release is due to its date. Push Solo to Christmas, it kills. Yeah. It, it just kills. It just, uh, fair murder, enough. Murder. Totally. But, but Disney wanted to protect Mary Poppins Returns, and that's the only reason why Solo came out in May. Only yeah. reason. Money. Yeah. And in the end, was it worth it? Right. I don't think so. Yeah. And that's what I mean by, so, so these conversations at the end of it, th- that's what I mean by Phantom Freeze. You have to remove all that and look at it for what it really is. Mm-hmm. Because as much as you love it, much as you and I both love it, and that's the fun of it, there's also a reality of it that's like, hey, you... you I got to respect it or hate it, and I just got to deal with it. So, with the success of Mandalorian, and currently is a success, I don't, I don't think it will be an awards success. I don't expect any. No. I don't think no, any no, no way out of, the, no. out of this. I mean, if it is, it's all technical stuff. One hundred percent. This is not. They're a show. fifteen million dollars an episode. Yeah, this is not a show that the Emmys are going to go. Oh, look, let's give Pedro Pascal a, and or Filoni to for directing. This is not going to happen. Technical awards only. It'll be technical awards. Just sorry, guys. Science fiction. That's what happens to us. Yeah, we like we love this the, stuff. Right. And then, uh, with the exception of very few, you know, HBO and all the money they put out for uh, Game of Thrones. Right. Of course, Disney has that kind of. money Yeah, but look too. at look at the last season of Game of Thrones. Still hated. Yeah, 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 not great. Right. Um. Okay. That that's all I wanted to say. No, I wanted no, no. Just to preface that this segment will be right. reoccurring. But but I'm going to tag on to this too because. Yep. And just something I know we'll revisit in, in our ninth episode or recap episode for the season. So, with their success, do you think cinematically Favreau and Filoni is the future? Yes, 100%. You think that's where they'll go? I think the creative choices they've made, uh, just based on looking at The Mandalorian, technically and visually, means that they're pushing boundaries. The fact that they're shooting anamorphic is a big deal. Right. Right? Anamorphic is the hardest way to do VFX, and that okay. comes from For Alex audience Fungi. who did not listen to oh, my yeah, Star Wars sure. Life episode. So an- <laughs> an- anamorphic is a type of lens that you use. It's an old school kind of lens, originally. Right? They're usually classic lenses. They might be rehoused. But it is a square frame that you have to basically stretch out and you do that in the post-production process right but the fact that they shot anamorphic it makes the vfx that much harder but they did it because it's the right way to tell the story the lens the way the lens affects the light and does all these separation and all that junk it stretches the character it's the right way to tell the story especially a western right the fact that they put that level of nuance in on the production side it means that they're going to do that same level of nuance going forward in all aspects because we're already seeing it. We're seeing it in the character dropping in these these various cameos in the most pristine way possible. That's a little bit of fandom there, but it's true. They're dropping them in very carefully. I think they're the they're, they're the, the key. I really do. Cool. And we'll we'll recap this uh, in the ninth episode of our, our show and see. 
see where we feel the future of the Mandalorian is going to be for season two, and then we'll see what they're. You know, I'm I'm curious and something to put your cap on. What what if Filoni and Favreau team up to do a film, or they let? I think they'd let Favreau direct before Filoni. They would, yeah. And so, what, well, 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 what, what was the they reason? may give Filoni something smaller and let Favreau be um, Favreau be the EP on it, right. so producing on it, and they may let Filoni go loose that way, or, or vice versa. You know, put Filoni as an EP on something that uh, I like. I think they're a new team. I do too, and I'd like to see them do something post. Um, honestly, I'd like to see them do something. I'd love Ezra's story. I'd love Ahsoka. I'd love Thrawn. I'd love that story, Sabine. Yeah. That's the story I'd like to see live action. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I mean, with the exception of a few, I think everyone could – I mean, Taylor Gray could definitely play an Ezra. Uh, Tia Segar could definitely be um, uh, Sabine. Not so sure about Ashley Eckstein. I mean, her voice is always going to be um, Ahsoka to me, but I don't think she has the physical look. And, and gr- the great part and about Ahsoka is she could be anybody, right? And, and not saying not saying that that bad about Ashley Einstein. She's wonderful. I just when I picture her in the man, doesn't fit for me. But that's just me. Yeah, casting will be key. Yep. <clears throat> All right. So uh, I said this was going to be a shorter episode. It's not. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to. No, 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 no. no. It's not your fault. Oh, it's just. Well, look, this episode's forty-two minutes. The <laughs> chapter one's forty-two. Yeah, so I'm you sorry. know, they're, they're, we're organic. I I just wanted to. I could come up with a better name for this, but um. At the moment, there'll be Easter eggs. I want to point out some of the Easter eggs that were in the episode before we leave, because there's some really interesting deep cuts in here. So let's start with the Blurg. Do you remember the Blurg first appeared? Uh, weren't they on Rebels? They were, but that wasn't their first appearance. Oh. Their first appearance on the screen was Ewoks The Battle for Endor in 1985. Oh, you're kidding nope. me. They were based on an unused concept by uh, art by Phil Tip, uh, Tippett. Originally, who de- uh, developed the Tauntaun for Episode Five? Yep. Blurgs were seen again on the planet of Ryloth in Star Wars Clone Wars, and in, then, of course, we saw them in uh, Rebels. The man—we've mentioned this too before, but uh, in this episode, but the Mandalorian uses a f- uh, phase pulse blaster on a sea monster in reference to the animated sequence, which introduced Boba Fett in the Star Wars Holiday Special, in 1978, when Fett uses Lance's spear, uh, uh, Lance's spear on a sea creature. Many aliens, droids, co- uh, costumes, and other props from the recent Star Wars films were reused in the background dress- dressing. Notably, two of the Cloud Riders from Solo's Star Wars story can be spotted in the cantina where the Mandalorian meets Chief Karga. Oh, I did notice that. Still wearing the same outfits. There are the Rodian named Chusito and the Melbrew, known, uh, the Melbrew known as uh, Arome Isolo. Speaking of the holiday special, it's official. Life Day is canon. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> it is one of the biggest moments ever. I, that and in Solo, when we find out uh, uh, Terkasi, yep. the martial arts from the video from game. The is, video and game. I'm like, I, I was in the theater and my arms went out and no one knew why. I was like, it's canon now. It's, <laughs> it's great. Oh, I love it. I love it. That game's terrible. I need, more, I need another Star Wars fighting game in my life. So the Arabush lettering on the, lettering on the bounty puck that the Mandalorian shows Mithril, the alien... Do you know what it translates to? No. Wanted. Wanted? Yeah, it's wanted. Interesting. So, and it's and it's shown as a mirror image. Uh, in the Mandalorian tribe base, there is a Mandalorian in the background wearing the armor of Boba Fett wore in the holiday special. Oh, no joke. Nope. The name Beskar originated in Star Wars Legends in an article for uh, the Man- uh, for the Star Wars magazine in the article Mandalorian's People and Culture. Published by Star Wars Insider in 2006. Before that, it was simply known as Mandalorian Iron. 
The mercenaries at the compound are all Nictu species. The majority of them are, I'm going to butcher this, Kajan Sinan Nictu, or Red Nictu, and some are Kadassian Nictu, Kazdan, <laughs> Green Green Nictu sprinkled in. Um, and Nictu also are, the name of the Nictu comes from uh, uh, the day that are still the day they are still still yeah. um, Nick two Brada. is there a claw two yeah claw, there's a claw two and a Brada and a Nick two yeah um, uh, um, I think Hondo species is claw two I think oh that's amazing I that, think I so didn't no, no, that. no 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 claw twos are the guys who uh, so skip ahead they're the raiders in um, episode four. Oh yeah, those are sure. too. They're also in the we the, uh, Honda's a weak way. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so yeah, and uh, I knew something. And then Baradas are um, I can there's they're, they're on the skiff, but I can't like I think all I know is there's one oh, of maybe them. the the softer face. Like yeah, the, you know. I got a picture of them. I, think, I remember they were yeah. in the, the decipher card game. I used to play them. Uh, the Gatekeeper Droid is the TT8L slash uh, Y7, and he says. Goodness gracious me. I got But you are pinky. R2 D Toa. Haku. Manani Bow say three pay oa. A tuta. Mishka Jabadu hut. Kuchu Wanki. Might be dozen. I don't think they're going to let us in, R2. That famous thing? <laughs> The uh, the ferryman is a Kubaz. Do you remember the Kubaz? That's a uh, uh, the spy, right? Yeah, he's a spy who tells yeah. the Empire where uh, Obi Wan and Luke are going to. Right. Uh, the ice creature is known as the Revenac. Revenac, there Revenac. it is. Uh, there we in the background and one of the scenes we saw a Quokian monkey lizard being roasted. Which is uh, size, not size, uh, uh, salacious crumb, salacious sea crumb, yeah. Yeah, and uh, they're bipedal reptilian species native to jungle light out of realm planet called Kowak. Um, we also see uh, the mythos. We talked about the mythosaur. Yep. Do you know what the mythosaur is? No. That's the symbol that Bofet wears. We see. We see it at the beginning. Of oh, it looks like a uh, like a like a elephant. What yeah, am I trying to say? Yeah, uh, that's the mastodon. Yeah, like, that's the mythosaur symbol huh. that we see in the. Uh, we also see in the uh, enclave. Yep, Mandalorian and then you also see it in Force Awakens. <coughs> right, so it's it's at there. Maz's place. So that is the Mythosaur. I will leave everybody with this: the Razor Crest was a gunship used by the Mandalorian. It was once a military craft used to patrol local territories prior to the Galactic Empire. So they're Mandalorian ships. The Mandalorian uh, Mandalorian uses the vessel as a transport for living in living headquarters while hunting fugitives on the Outer Rim territories. The Razor Crest was designed by Lucasfilm Limited's veteran concept artist and vice president, Doug Chang. Hmm. It was uh, created as a practical model rather than a computer-generated effect. That's one of the best parts. And so so when you see it out there, it's really there. Yep, it's, it's flying it's, about. It's just like old-school Star Wars, and that's what's fun. There's a good mix of practical... Back to Filoni, and, you know, they're doing it right. You know, people talk about winning the lottery. Um, Dave Filoni won the lottery for Star Wars fans. I mean, growing up, I mean, he's our age. Growing up as a Star Wars fan to get handpicked by Lucas to continue the legacy. Yeah. I dreamed of that for years and I missed out. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm with you 100%. And so so that was episode one of The Mandalorian. Uh, episode two is the 
child or no the sin the no child, child. So in order to seduce the episode of the sin yep. so episode two is the child so we'll talk about the child next time there we go we may or may not have a special guest we don't know <laughs> yeah we'll throw him into the mix <laughs> yeah we just the new show we don't know what we're going to do it's a six minutes shorter than most of our shows, so we'll go with that. <laughs> yeah, that's good enough. Uh, this is Scotty saying, this is our contribution to the multiverse. Go out and make yours. Koha's out. I have spoken. Thank you for listening to the Mobcast Network.